Hello and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work. This is our weekly podcast from the American University of Beirut, where we talk to faculty members and researchers about the incredible range of topics that uh, AUB's professors are working on, and the knowledge they're generating, what they're learning, and what it means for the rest of us. We have this week a particularly uh, relevant episode with Professor Karin Sa'er, who is Assistant Professor uh, of Medicine. She's also the chair of the expert committee on the COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, at AUB, uh, and she's also the Director of Employee Health. So she's done a lot of work on uh, the COVID issue, and uh, both in terms of how we can minimize the impact on the community of the university and, and society as a whole, uh, but also on specifically on, on employee health at AUB. So, Professor Saar, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Rami, for the invitation. Pleasure being here. You bet. So, there's uh, a lot of things to discuss in the COVID-19 uh, work that you're doing, you and your 10 colleagues on the, on the expert committee. You've been doing this since March of last year. Um, so, if you could tell us first... What is the most important thing or one or two things that you and your colleagues on the committee have learned as you have dealt with the, all the knowledge that's available and your expert knowledge in medicine to help protect uh, all of us uh, from this pandemic? Okay, so, uh, I mean, as you said, we just, uh, we just started when uh, the committee was formed and like many other uh, um, institutions and uh, universities, colleges uh, around the world, we were just uh, learning <laughs> as we were going. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of things that we learned, I mean, the first thing I would say was just like, uh, just be open uh, and uh, be adaptable that you are learning as you're going and you are giving recommendations based on data that is available and science that is being generated now. So uh, we had to learn that we were just adapting to the science and the recommendations were changing. We were changing uh, with them because we were all learning as we were, as we were, as we were going, as I said. So a lot of adaptability and uh, I would say uh, flexibility was, uh, I mean, these were skills that we had to perfect very quickly. Right. Uh, and uh, it, I think it made us all very humble, this, this virus. Uh, we, we had some beliefs in the beginning and then uh, things were changing as the science, as data was, was developing. So uh, I think it gave uh, the, entire, uh, the entire world a big dose of humility. I don't know if you agree with me on that one or well, not. Well, yeah, humility and maybe awe. I mean, awe yeah. in, in front of the extraordinary power of these natural phenomena. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, what about the issue of when you come up with recommendations based on science and, and real verifiable facts, yeah that will help people, you know, save their lives and keep, mm -hmm. stay healthy. Some people resist. We've seen that in the United States and Europe, all over the region. Uh, have you learned anything about how to overcome the resistance of some people who say, well, I don't want to get vaccinated or something like that? 
Uh, I agree with you. A lot of people resist, but also a lot of people are also, uh, I wouldn't say teachable. I mean, for lack of a better word, but uh, mm -hmm. you, you, you can get, you can get through. So a lot of times we just, and this is what we're trying to do here for people who do not want to get vaccinated. We're trying to understand their point of view, explain to me what's the problem. Sometimes they will tell you that their cousin in Germany got a vaccine and maybe develop side effects because of it. So when you dig deeper, you usually find some sort of explanation. So we're reaching out to people and trying. we're trying to understand their resistance and hopefully address it, address their fears by presenting, again, the science, the data, what we have, and then convince them as uh, as much as, as possible. But I agree with you. Uh, there was there's resistance with uh, with vaccine. We... we uh, encountered some resistance as well with mask wearing but soon this became uh, mandatory and that mm -hmm. was uh, that took care of it mm -hmm. and now aub has a policy of mandatory vaccinations anybody who comes on campus has to be vaccinated is this uh, easy to implement have you found uh, so we haven't started yet so uh, <laughs> ask me in the, a few days okay. um, i mean it's going to be this is what we're doing. It's got, mm -hmm. a campus will be accessible for people who got vaccinated, or those who, or uh, those who, for medical reasons, cannot get vaccinated and are provided with medical waivers. Right. Uh, there's also an exception for those who recently developed COVID, like in July and August, and therefore in September, their risk of reinfection is extremely low. Is extremely mm -hmm. low. I'm sorry. So uh, we're gonna. They will be allowed access in September. However, we're gonna vaccinate them afterwards. Uh, but again, I mean, we made the process extremely easy. It's very easy to book an appointment. I mean, of course, uh, we had some hurdles in the beginning with uh, with big numbers. So on some days, the crowds were not easily managed, but we adjusted, we updated the system. Now we have an online booking system so that people book an appointment and they don't wait. So we got better, as I said, we were learning. Right. Uh, we got better by now. The process is really straightforward. Uh, we're vaccinating three times a week, long hours. And for people who have issues, uh, they're emailing us, we're contacting them back and we're trying to address their issues. And hopefully we'll be able to to calm their fears and concerns. And you're dealing really with three concentric circles. You're dealing with the AUB and its immediate community. You're dealing with Lebanon and its uh, problems with uh, erratic government, to put it nicely. And you're dealing with the, the regional and global situation with travelers coming and going. Uh, how do you balance all of those things and, and ensure maximum protection? Uh, I mean, in terms of campus access, it's pretty straightforward uh, because if you're coming on campus, well, we know who you are and the campus is pretty much, uh, the access to campus now is, is pretty is pretty controlled now. What's happening in the country, and uh, of course, we're all uh, we are all part of this community. So, if our uh, our workforce, our students are traveling themselves, are interacting with travelers, so the, the risk is there. But what we know, we know that vaccines do work. We know that prevention does work. So that's why we are. This is uh, this is our. Uh, our motto, basically, which is vaccinate, 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 and right. here uh, precautions, and and they work. We know that masks and distancing and hygiene work, so that's what we're preaching. Right, and the interaction with people, I mean, the fact that you've got 
people all over the country uh, doing whatever they want to do and outbreaks here and there, and then you've got constantly people traveling uh, in and out of the country. Are those uh, troubling dimensions, or do you think they're pretty much? I mean, we're, they're being reflected by the by the national numbers, right? So now right. we are in the uh, around. 1,000 plus cases nationally right. in Lebanon every day. The positivity rate is around 6, 7, 10 percent. Mm. So we are seeing it. Um, we are uh, thankfully among our vaccinated uh, groups, we are seeing less infections and the infections that we would see will be less severe. So at least this, this is, uh, this is protecting our, our community. And now with, um, and this was something that uh, President Khoury talked about, and this is the, uh, the vaccines that AUB got uh, purchased basically uh, from Pfizer through the Ministry of Health. So, in addition to our community, we're gonna we're gonna reach out and we're gonna immunize more individuals. So mm-hmm. uh, that would be that would help uh, the the Ministry of Health with their immunization campaign because we'll be mm-hmm. we'll be basically immunizing people in parallel. So um, in this way, we're hoping that we would be helping our community at large. I mean, we're, we're expanding beyond the AUB. Right. At this point. And you've got uh, an, an issue that's uh, pretty fascinating uh, to me, at least, and I think to others possibly, that the, the role of the university is evolving, not just AUB, other research universities, mm-hmm. that you're not just studying things in your labs and teaching students in your classrooms, but you have a role in society or on national committees, you're involved with international exchange of knowledge. Uh, have you uh, consciously tried to develop the role of the university, you and your colleagues, in terms of what impact you can have on the rest of society? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, not only are we doing uh, research here only at UV, but we are also collaborating with, uh, with researchers uh, outside and uh, developing our uh, research projects with them. For example, I mean, I will tell you about uh, our unit, the employee health unit here. We are working with an occupational medicine team out of uh, out of the U.S., and we are collaborating with them out of Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at uh, some data that was uh, generated uh, here, uh, basically around this uh, COVID uh, topic among healthcare workers, mm-hmm. uh, the hospital preparedness, the risk assessment, how our employees were exposed, uh, how many of them got infected, what were the protective factors, which ones were the ones who were being out of work for longer periods of time and things like that. So this is something that we are uh, looking at uh, with our colleagues here at the UB, with our infection control colleague, with the colleagues from uh, the School of Public Health, and also with our uh, Yale Occupational Medicine uh, colleagues. Mm-hmm. Let me just uh, tell our listeners: you're talking. I'm talking uh, with uh, Professor Karin Saer, who is Assistant Professor of Medicine and Chair of the Expert Committee on the COVID-19 Pandemic uh, at the American University of Beirut. Um, Karin, are you scared of anything, particularly you personally? With your uh, knowledge and your very wide range of contacts with people in this uh, field, is there anything that scares you today, or are you pretty confident of most of the things that were scary six or nine months ago? Uh, I mean, we know more about the virus now than we knew a few months back. 
but at the same time, <laughs> this virus keeps surprising us. And, um, and uh, once we think we have a better grasp, I would say, then you have a new variant. And then you're like, okay, now I need to adjust again. So um, I would say that it's not a, it's, it's, it's a long journey. Mm-hmm. And um, we just keep surrounding ourselves with mm-hmm. what we know best, which is science, data, and uh, just do what we do best, which is look at the science, see what's out there. And as of now, what is the best course of action? And we do it. I mean, right. we, we, did it. We, we knew we wanted to vaccinate all of our students. Uh, we would like to be back on campus. We're probably, I mean, at this point, we're going to recommend that all students on campus be masked because mm-hmm. now we are seeing a new variant and we're seeing cases increase again. So, uh, mm-hmm. And you do this work, obviously, in uh, collaboration with many other researchers, uh, universities, hospitals all over Lebanon, right? So you're, uh, con- yeah. you're get- it's not only your uh, science that you're dealing with. No, of course not. I mean, uh, within AUB and then uh, outside of AUB, outside of AUB as well. I mean, uh, as you know, you know the the expert committee members. We have uh, infectious disease specialists. We have ER specialists. We have people mm-hmm. from the School of Public Health who are in different uh, specialties. We have uh, we work a lot with our communication uh, with our communication uh, colleagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vaccination website now has an AUB vaccinated website. And mm-hmm. we're posting a lot of information there. It's it it is it is multidisciplinary working in silos does not work. Silos mm-hmm. are just bad <laughs> uh, for situations like this. No, we are working all together, and this is our only way out. Especially especially in Lebanon with all the challenges that that you know. Yeah, um, there are a couple of technical issues that people all over the world hear about, and and probably are. Uh, focused on or concerned about one of them is this uh, constant uh, 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 these constant outbreaks of of, of um, infections um, and whether it's Texas or India or or wherever it may be. Um, what is your sense of uh, why this is happening, and do we know better now than we did six nine months ago how to minimize these outbreaks? I mean, if if you if you look at the data, most of them are occurring in uh, in regions with low immunization rate. So, mm-hmm. in places where the immunization rates is higher, you will see less infections. I mean, I was looking at a study published recently in in the U.S. and they looked at uh, healthcare workers. Immunized people were still getting infected, but at a rate that is like five times lower than their right. non-immunized counterparts. Mm-hmm. So prevention does work. And now we have the luxury of having a vaccine. So we mm-hmm. should all focus our energy and efforts on making sure as many people get vaccinated as possible. Yes. And in, in, in hindsight, um, do you have an opinion on whether people all over the world, I would say, opened up too quickly after the initial rounds of uh, lockdowns and um, things like that, and suddenly people about three, four months, three months ago were opening up restaurants and sports arenas and things like that. Was that too fast? 
I mean, it's always a balance because at the same time you have economical constraints. But places where opening up was wise and uh, control had suffered less from opening up than other places. So when you make sure that your workforce, that people are getting the vaccines as much as possible and you are opening up in safe environments, i.e. Uh, outdoor restaurants and uh, you're favoring all the outdoors gatherings, you're going to have less trouble than opening up closed uh, like closed spaces and where you know that this virus is more prone to transmission and multiplication, mm-hmm. etc. So it's it, it's all about how, how it's being done and it's it's a global it's global. It's not what one small thing. It, it needs to be looked at from different points uh, points of view. Yeah, one of the things that I've been personally looking at. I'm writing some papers and uh, articles and uh, things on how the COVID pandemic has impacted governance in the uh, Middle East and the Arab region. Are governments becoming more authoritarian or are they becoming pressured by their people to become more reform-minded and more open and democratic? Uh, and the, the the trend seems to be that we're getting much more militarized, uh, you know, authoritarian, autocratic type of governments who just kind of tell you lock down and don't move and, and then, of course, get the vaccine. Uh, but there's there seems to be a um, issue in terms of how the relationship between citizen and state is developing. Mm-hmm. This is beyond your science yeah. mandate, I know, but uh, I think it's an issue that's uh, on people's minds all over the place. And the data, when you look at polling evidence, shows that there's more and more uh, more and more people around the Arab world, in particular. Uh, are expressing less and less confidence in their government systems, partly because of the um, pandemic, but partly because of the economic slowdown and and other things. How do, do you do you look at those issues in terms of how a citizen looks at the state and the government, and why should they listen to the health ministry or the prime minister? Uh, I mean, we see a lot of it here, and um, again, this is something that is beyond our control, but uh, we try to remain the objective scientific body Mm -hmm. we hope that people would listen to us and trust us because i mean we my only agenda is the health and safety of my our employees our aub community and then the lebanese community at large this is my only agenda (laughs) and uh, i use everything i know and i have to relay this message and uh, uh, this is this is what we try to convey. Uh, yeah, we do see a lot of mistrust. Uh, we do see. I mean, people ask us a lot of questions like, uh, "How do I trust that you're getting this uh, vaccine mm. safely to AB?" And we again, we give them the data that this is not the first time we work with the government on vaccines. When right. twenty years ago, when you took your measles vaccine, it came through the government and. Since then, we evolved. We have like uh, logs. We follow temperature logs. And once I have the vaccine, and the vaccine is with my pharmacist, I followed exactly what it been through since it was right. delivered. And then, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we, again, we convey the data. We convey the information. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a related issue is uh, one of the things that I think has become more clear around the whole 
Middle East is that the public health systems in the last 30 years had been allowed to become much more privatized because of the neoliberal economic trends and people were making money and uh, people were having a good time. And therefore, when this crisis hit, the public health services in many cases were not able to, to meet the demand of the population. Is this an issue that you're looking at? I mean, this is why, this is why actually the, 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 the Ministry of Health, which is mm -hmm. the public sector, collaborated with uh, the private sector. AB is one of them, but administration sites, vaccination sites are, some of them are public hospitals, but a lot of them are private hospitals like us, uh, the other university hospitals. So we are collaborating with the government to help uh, in this uh, public health crisis, I would say. I mean, there was no way that the government would be able to administer so many vaccines. We were exceeding a million in a short period of time by itself. Yeah. So here, you, I mean, although there are a lot of things that are not working over here, I think the vaccination, uh, the vaccination campaign is not doing that at all. I think mm -hmm. we showed how when we work with when the public sector and the private sector work together, we can we can achieve a lot. And the vaccination campaign, I think, showed that. Right. And do you think? Do you see any signs that, given the experience of the last uh, eighteen months or whatever it is, that people are rethinking the role of the state, that maybe we, we don't need to privatize everything, so energy, water, transport, telephones, education, healthcare. That's been a predominant trend in the region. Do you see any kind of pushback and people say, no, we need a strong central government for essential services? Uh, I don't think I can give you an answer one way or another because it's, it's extremely complex in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> especially when you start talking government, and, uh, yes, it's, it's extremely complex. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't go there. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you the last two questions before. Yeah, I, want, I, I can I can talk about an initiative we've been working actually through the USAID the, through a USAID grant. I, would, I I can talk about that if you want. Me yeah, to. yeah. Go ahead. Tell us about that. Okay. So. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you heard about it, but uh, the American University of Beirut got a significant grant from the United States, the Agency for International Development, USAID, mm -hmm. and um, the initiative is called a nationwide approach to respond to the COVID-19 spread in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. We started in April of 2020, and it was extended until October of 2021, and with potential uh, further extension. Mm -hmm. So basically what we did is through this grant, we helped 10 hospitals. Five of them are located in the Bikar region, four in the north, and one is in Mount Lebanon. So teams from AUB went to these hospitals and basically we trained them and uh, on how to, how to be prepared for COVID-19 and we did infection control training, training for nurses. We did seminars for doctors. Basically, we exported all the knowledge, everything we've been doing wow. here. We just exported it outside. To and sorry, 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 yes. sorry to interrupt. These are private and public hospitals? Only private. Mostly private. Okay. Only private. Only private. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, so we did that, and we were also able to provide the 
protective uh, personal protective equipment PPE. Mm -hmm. So we we got some PPE for ABMC and we were able to distribute PPE to the to those hospitals as well. And this was a tremendous help because you know there were shortages worldwide, not only in Lebanon. So yes. we were able to provide them with PPE because of And are you confident now that? The hospital staff all over the country, let's say just talking about Lebanon, um, do now have a level of uh, uh, sufficient equipment and training and uh, knowledge, etc., best practices yeah. to deal with any more outbreaks? I mean, we've, uh, we're analyzing the data uh, of these hospitals now. We gathered that information because we did pre-training pre evaluation and we did a post-training uh -huh. evaluation. And we, we, we gathered their feedback as well. So we're going to be analyzing the data. But just from going there and listening to the to the directors, the, the nurse, the director of nursing, etc., uh, at least this intervention definitely helped a lot. And uh, I know here at the AV, of course, we also improved uh, significantly. So we're better off now. Uh, unfortunately, we have different challenges of, different uh, scale now and uh, of different yeah of course well yeah, it, so. <laughs> getting enough gas gasoline to drive and visit these other hospitals is for example and getting yeah. enough uh, fuel mm. for them to run their generators because they're only getting two hours yes. of power from the national grid for example Right. But, uh, yeah, we are analyzing the impact of the intervention, but from what we gathered in terms of uh, feedback from mm. um, Concerned persons in the in those institutions, the, the feedback was extremely positive. Mm. Are you recommending that people get a booster shot? <laughs> so uh, the recommendation came out of the CDC a few days ago is for uh, people with uh, immune with low immune uh, immune systems to mm -hmm. get booster shots, and these are uh, patients who have. Um, Transplants, uh, people on, on chemotherapy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, there is no recommendation as of yet for a booster shot for the rest of the population. So I would I'll wait for the experts. Okay. Uh, for the and, expert recommendation, and we'll follow it. And we have just a minute left or so. Last question: What is the most important issue that you and your colleagues will be looking at in the next two or three months? Make sure as many as many of our workforce and as as many individuals are vaccinated to decrease the impact of COVID nineteen, and then to decrease the risk of variants. If the virus cannot multiply, it cannot mutate, as uh, right. Dr. Fauci was saying. So, and this this is what we have now in our hands. Right. So uh, make sure we immunize as many people out there as possible. So there seems to be a remarkably constant focus from experts like yourself, scientists, medical personnel. Uh, since the beginning of this thing, people have been saying all over the world, uh, wear a mask, uh, don't congregate in small groups inside uh, unventilated buildings, get vaccinated. I mean, that basic message is still the same. That is correct. Mm -hmm. And now well, we have data to back it up. Yeah. Well, we're lucky to have people like you and many others on your committee and all over the world working on these issues. We've run out of time. My guest has been Professor 
Karin Sa'er from the American University of Beirut, Assistant Professor of Medicine and the Chair of the Expert Committee at AUB on COVID-19. Thank you, Karin, for being with us. Thank you so much, Rami. And this is Rami Khoury, your host at Professors at Work. Join me again next week for another episode. Bye for now.